This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. A lot of ground to cover, a lot of fun topics to get into today. And joining me to do that is none other than credentialed media member Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review. How's it going, Chris? Doing great, man. Glad to finally be on and joining you. Absolutely. It's been it's been far too long. I don't know, like, I don't know why it's taken us this long to make this happen, seeing as how you and I talk pretty frequently. It's just been, you know, but I'm glad to finally get you on the show. I don't know why it's taken so long. I accept please, Chris, accept my formal apologies. Apologies not needed, man. You're busy. I'm busy. It's all good. Let's have some fun. All right. All right. Well, we got a lot. We got a lot to talk about here today. We got some uh, preseason takeaways through these first three Rockets preseason games. Maybe some overreactions, uh, if you will. We'll kind of you know see where this podcast takes us. But uh, kind of getting it, just kind of laying the framework, Chris. What were your expectations? Heading into this Rockets preseason, I mean, we're, we're at the start of this new rebuilding era for the Houston Rockets. What were your thoughts and feelings going into this preseason? And, and we're going to kind of pick those apart as we navigate this podcast. Uh, the Rockets would be a fast style, up-tempo team, turnovers, poor defense, fun to watch, but a lot of, uh, a lot of potential, but still a lot of question marks. You know, I, I think coming in, I, I there's a, a subsection of Rockets fans that were, what's the way to put this, uh, entirely way too optimistic about this team and how well it was going to play this season. You know, some people trying to say that this team had, you know, chances to make it to maybe even the play-in tournament. And I'm like, I've been sit- I was sitting here all offseason saying, okay, we got to pump those brakes, temper those expectations. And I think that, Chris, through these last two preseason games, especially both against the Miami Heat and now the Toronto Raptors, who, when you look at it, the Raptors are kind of a team that might be in a not quite where the Rockets are at, but they have definitely hit more so of a reset button uh, as of late, gotten a lot younger, um, you know, some unproven talent on their squad as well, but maybe a little bit further ahead than the Rockets in the rebuilding process. And... I think those these past two games have been a little bit humbling for the Rockets to go out there and, and kind of get smacked around a little bit by a, a couple teams that are going to be largely more successful this season than they are, right? Agreed. I think I think so. I think Toronto is, is just a little bit further along than the Rockets are. You know, the little further ahead in their reset, as you, as you stated. But yeah, Miami's an established team, and they're definitely well, well ahead of the Rockets in where they want to be in terms of competing for a championship, and the Rockets are just starting over. So this and we're going to we're going to get into who has been the kind of the most impressive Rockets and probably the least impressive Rockets through these first three preseason games, kind of our main takeaways from those guys. But Chris, the one of the main storylines for this team this season, aside from the whole John Wall situation, which we can get into a little bit later on if you want to. But I'm going to table that discussion for the moment is the decision to, to formally make 
Kevin Porter Jr., the point guard of the team, right? To hand him the keys to the offense and say, all right, you're in charge. How do you feel about that decision? Do you think it's the right move to have Kevin Porter Jr. be the the really the sole point guard of this team, the, the primary facilitator for this group of guys? Do you like that decision by the Rockets? Um, I'm not sold on it. I wasn't sold on it initially. I don't believe, you know, KPJ is not a natural point guard, but a lot of guards in today's game aren't natural point guards. You know, I think he was a passer in his younger days, you know, grassroots AU, things like that. He's more of a scorer. We all see it. He's a natural scorer. But Scoot and Jalen Green is going to be an, an interesting combo in the backcourt. be fun to watch. We've seen Scoot struggle. You know, he had seven turnovers against Toronto. So, but even elite point guards have bad games where they just throw the ball all, all over the court sometimes. He's got to grow into the position. He definitely has to do that. I'm not, I'm not sure. I would not have done it. If I'm the Rockets, I would not have done this that way. I, I think Scoot at the two guard have been better for him and the team. But this is a decision that Coach Silas and Rafael Stone decided to go with. And here we are. Minor correction, I will say, just it was actually Jalen Green with the seven turnovers okay. against Toronto. Now, Scoot wasn't too far behind. He had three of them. And, the you know, having the pair of them combined for 10 was not exactly the best. Um, but it does kind of lead me to my next question for you, Chris, is, you know, looking at this backcourt. So you're you're already you're, you're not completely in on and it sounds you're, honestly, it sounds like you're a little bit out on KPJ as the point guard. Is that correct? Y- yes, but because of this, this is who the Rockets are. I've accepted it. So this is what they're going to be, and this is how they decided to go. So I'll just cover them that way from that angle. So with that, I want to I want to bounce into another question from there concerning KPJ and Jalen Green, and just as we've seen them, you know, through these first three games, and it, maybe this is a bit of an overreaction, and and it probably is, but do you think there's any concerns there about this backcourt, at least in the foreseeable future? Because it's going to take time for these two guys to get up, you know, to build up their bodies to really get you know established as as you know to. I guess, dealing with the physicality of the NBA game, right? And if these past two games have shown us anything against the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors, it's that when physical defenses go up against Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., those guys might struggle a little bit. Should we be concerned after seeing that happen in these two preseason games, or do you think that's maybe a bit of an overreaction this early? It's early. That's, it's, it's expected. You know, that's that's my take on it. And my perspective is, you know, different. Our perspective, you, you mean JT, is different. Jackson is different than the fans because the fans are expecting so much so so fast. You know, Jalen Green said after the game against uh, the Heat, I'm 19 years old, man. I'm going against grown men. You know, they're physical. They're much more, you know, prepared than I am right now. But my time will come. So he's right. So just be patient with him. He'll get stronger in due time. He'll get bigger, put on more weight. But for right now, his slender frame will be an issue against physical, more physical guards. He'll have to adjust to it and adapt and get used to it. I agree with that sentiment, and it's one that I've been trying to hammer home a little bit is, you know, while there may be some immediate concerns in the here and now, we're going to go through some games where KPJ, Jalen Green, they're getting bodied by bigger, stronger players, or, you know, they're going to have nights like this, right? They're going to have nights with, you know, excessive turnovers where they just can't connect from outside, or they're not able to get anything done inside because they just can't get to the rim at will as easily against some of the, you know, stauncher, stauncher, stauncher word? I don't know if it's a word. We're going to go with it. Um, And the more... (laughs) Is it a word? 
Help me I'm out not here, sure Chris. it is. I don't believe it is, but that's okay. Uh, you know it's what? It's show, okay. Yeah. It's okay. It, it, you know what? Yeah. It is my show, and all words are made up anyway. So there we go. Yeah. So stauncher NBA competition um, for Jalen Green, right? Getting to that level, you know, adjusting to the NBA game, adjusting the speed, the physicality of all of it. But it's part of the journey, right? It is watching these these right. kids grow up before our eyes is, is part of the fun of a rebuilding basketball team. Exactly, and that's that's my take on this entire season. Is it's going to, they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to lose a lot of games. But that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not expecting them to get to the playoffs. I'm not expecting them to get to the play-in. Play fast, free, play, have fun, lose, get another high lottery pick. Then next season will be better than this season. And just keep building forward. Banchero. All right. No, I'm not, I'm not going to beat, I'm not going to start beating the lottery drum. Nothing wrong with him. You know, what's hey. wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Holmgren. Here we go. No, we're okay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to pump the brakes on that. I'm not going to start doing like draft analysis until at least, I don't know. I'm going to wait until January at least. Um, with that coming up, we're okay. going to dive into the players that have been the most impressive through the three preseason games, as well as the least impressive through three preseason games. We're going to, we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at sweat block. Look, sweating sucks like it just does like unless you're going to the gym getting a good workout sweating cool that's one thing that's workout sweat right but if you're going throughout your day and you're worrying about like what shirt you're gonna wear because you don't want to sweat through the sides or you know you're you don't want to you know maybe you're going out for lunch with friends or a business meeting or you're having a date later that night you don't want to be worried about if you're going to sweat through what you're wearing right and with sweat block you don't have to worry about that anymore it's doctor created doctor recommended works for up to seven days per application they have a dry shirt guarantee if sweat block doesn't keep you dry you get your money back look Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You just put it on at night before you go to bed, get up the next morning, shower, go about your day, get dressed, put your makeup on, do everything normal, right? Without having to worry about sweat at all, guaranteed. It sounds too good to be true, but you know, if, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use promo code LOCKEDON, also available at Amazon and CVS. So again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at sweatblock.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Continuing our conversation with Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review. Now, Chris, let's go into, because uh, I don't want to limit this to just one player from each, you know, from one player from you, one player from me, because I think there have been a handful of standout performances and guys through these first three preseason games for the Houston Rockets, as well as a handful of kind of suboptimal play from some of them. And so let's start with the guys who have really stood out to us. And as you're the guest on this show, I want you to have first dibs. Who's the guy that stood out to you so far the most? Alperin Shingun. And then I'm going to say Armani Brooks. I think those two have stood out. And Josh Christopher, for the most part, I think those three have been uh, the best so far. Chris, are you are you spying on my computer? Because I've got I literally my list right here. I've got my I've got my my locked on Rockets Google Doc with my notes up right here. And here's my note. You know, most impressive player through three preseason games. And I've got three players' names: Alperin Shingun, Armani, or JC. Like I've got three names all listed here. So we're in unison on this. Yes, great minds, man. So let's let's start with with Shingun. I mean, you know, because I do want to get into the specifics of what has stood out to us about these guys so far. Uh, to me. You know, I think that with Shingun, a lot of the the common belief system on him coming into like summer league and you know NBA preseason, all this was that he was going to be you know a largely immobile, offensively talented big, which was you know 
not an unfair take, right? But I feel like it kind of harkened back to maybe like the Inez Cantor takes, uh, uh, you know, sort of, you know, right. uh, an immobile big, that kind of thing. And he couldn't be further from the truth. He moves well defensively. He's got a great nose for the basketball. He rebounds well offensively. His, he's just, he's a hooper. He goes out there and plays and he plays well. He looks like somebody who's won MVP of one of the best leagues in the world. And the difference, the difference between Alpie and Cantor is, well, first, Alpie seems to know what he, know what he's doing on defense. He wants to play defense. For a while there, Enos, he was just purely offense. He didn't care about defense. And I think Alpie cares about defense. And that's really the first thing first, being good in defense, is caring and putting forth effort. So that's a good thing to see. He's not an elite athlete. But you don't have to be an elite athlete to be a smart defensive player and be in the right spots, being in the right spots at the right time. And that's what he is. You know, with with Shingun, a play stands stands to mind for me uh, against the Raptors specifically. He, I, I would think it was off of a tur- it was either off of one of the seventeen million turnovers that the Rockets committed, or it was just you know a, a block shot, miss shot, whatever. And Shingun ran back full speed in transition, picked up Precious Achua who kind of was drifting in towards the lane and then, you know, immediately kind of went out towards the three-point line to space the floor, the floor properly for the Raptors. Shingun picked up uh, Achua, his man, in transition, realized what was ha- developing on the play, though, and whoever the, the Raptors ball handler was who was, you know, running the break, decided to then drive into the lane and attempt a, a shot at the rim. And Shingun then after picking up Achua, peeled off of Achua, snuck around another Raptors player, and got in position to help contest the shot, all in like the span of like two or three seconds. And it's those, it's that little bit of like defensive awareness that he has at times where even in summer league where he was blocking three or four shots a game in summer league, you said it yourself, he's not the most, you know, elite athlete in the world. But he's got a great eye and and a great situational awareness about him that leads him to be in the right spot at the right time to make solid defensive plays, be it drawing charges, getting blocked shots, recovering when he's guarding somebody smaller and quicker than him on the perimeter. I've really been blown away by his defense as well as his passing offensively. That's been another another thing that's stood out about his game. Yeah, Alpi's basketball IQ is extremely high. One of the first things you mentioned is that he ran, he raced down the, the floor and matched up. That's been a problem for some of his teammates, racing down the floor in transition and matching up as well. So that's an issue that's plaguing the entire team, but not him. He's smart. He knows where to be. He knows how to get there. And we have seen plenty of elite athletes who stink at defense because they try to over-rely on just their athleticism and are lost on where they're supposed to be. Rotation, they don't know. I'm supposed to be here. You know, they're completely lost. Shingun knows where he's supposed to be, and I'm glad to see on the offensive end, Rockets running more high post, giving a chance to pass the ball to cutters because that skill set he showed in Vegas. And it's one thing Will Weaver said that he hoped that he and Coach Silas would implement more, uh, you know, now and in regular season. You know, Chris, I've I've been I've had this take for a little while now, and I've got to get get your opinion on it. I've said that we could see Alper and Shingun become a starter at some point this season. And I was kind of, I, I kind of pegged around all-star break, maybe post all-star break, depending on how his development went, you know, maybe he overtakes Daniel Tice as the de facto starting five next to Christian Wood on this team. It could, this is my turn to, you know, have an overreactionary take through three preseason games, but it feels like things just flow a little bit better when he's on the floor. It feels like the offense looks leaps and bounds better. And I don't think the defense falters that much, if at all with him in place of Daniel Tice, 
Do you think we could see Alper and Shingun starting at some point this season? And, and if so, when? Yes, without a doubt. I, I think it's inevitable. You know, I'm not sure. I think also break is reasonable. It may be sooner. The little flashes, you know, Toronto, I mean, it's still preseason. I, I'm just not seeing and sensing a comfort zone with Tice and C. Wood on defense that I'm seeing with C. Wood and Shingun. It just, which is kind of strange, you know, because Seawood and Tice are veterans, but it, it just doesn't seem to be clicking yet. Now it, it may click, it just may need some more time. But right now it seems like the better tandem is Christian Wood with Arpin Shangoon instead of Christian Wood and Daniel Tice. Now, a couple of the other guys that we've got here with Josh Christopher and Armani Brooks. Let's let's start with the former UH Cougar Armani Brooks, who is still fighting for a, a roster spot on, on this, you know, Houston Rockets basketball team. And frankly, the way that he is able to shoot the ball so lights out, I think he is going to if it's if it's not a permanent roster spot here in Houston, he's going to find a roster spot somewhere because shooting is the number one commodity in today's NBA. And that's why I have been firmly banging the drum that Armani Brooks needs to be not just brought back. I don't want him just brought back on a two way deal. I want him to have a one of the 15 roster spots on this Rockets roster, Chris. Agreed. I'm surprised and I'm not I'm not really sure the rationale between Armani and his representation for agreeing to the Exhibit 10 rather than a two-way deal with the Rockets. Armani, especially now with Eric Gordon out with the ankle issue, Armani is the team's best three-point shooter. He's the best spacer, deeper range than everybody else other than Eric Gordon. So what's the issue? I mean, I know his defense and other parts of his game need work. Yes, but he is literally the team's best three-point shooter. The Rockets, we don't have any other reliable three-point threats from game to game besides Armani and Eric Gordon. And if Eric Gordon can't stay healthy, then it's just Armani. So why haven't the Rockets inked him to a long-term deal? I'm not sure. I don't understand that. And so hope I, sounds like we're both in the same boat here. Hopefully they get that situation resolved sooner rather than later. They've got an open roster spot. They've got one run, one roster spot open still, and I'm hoping it lands towards him, although they've still got the Dante Exum signing, which that situation feels a little weird because the way that they inked that contract with Exum makes me think that that's going to be the, the player that they decide to hold on to uh, moving into the season. But Remains to be seen how that situation plays itself out. The Rockets have until, I believe, October 19th to formulate a final decision on that, the first day of the official... I, is it 19th or 6th? 15th? For I, think the, the, I think it's the 15th. The, there we go, 15th. I was getting... I had a couple dates in my head. There we go. You're right. It's the 15th that they have to make a final decision on what their 15-man roster is going to be headed into the NBA season. So we'll see how that situation play, plays itself out. But the last guy that we want to talk about here is Josh Christopher, who has been... He every time that he steps on the court, Chris, every time that we hear him talk in an interview, he continues to grow on me because and I'll admit he was one of the guys that out of the four draftees this past go around for the Houston Rockets. I wasn't blown away by Josh Christopher. I thought maybe it was going to be kind of a, a safety pick like, oh, he's he's buddy buddy with Jalen Green. That's why they're picking him, you know, start catering to your future superstar right now. And he stepped out into summer league and showed out. He's shown out so far in three preseason games. He comes in. He's lightning in a bottle off of, off the bench. He plays with a tenacious a tenacity, uh, you know, an aggressiveness that I wish could be replicated by some of the other players on the roster. Well put. 
and and the Rockets need more guys like Josh Christopher in terms of effort production. You can see, and he's learning to be a point guard because that's not his his natural position. But you can see him how he attacks the basket, getting to the bucket with ease. His decision making needs work, needs improvement. But almost every young player on the team needs improvement in decision making. But and his three point shooting is improving. That was a question mark coming out of college. We can see his form has improved from, from Vegas. From Vegas to now, his three-point side looks better. So sometimes he does heat checks too much, too soon. But uh, I think he has a, a bright future with the team. And I want to see him get more minutes than Exum and DJ Augustine. I'm in full youth. youth let's give it all to the young players. Let them run with it. Let's just go. So it, it take it going going from there, Chris. Does that mean I, you know? Because I kind of had pegged uh, Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba as probably two of the younger guys who are probably going to see a significant amount of time with the G League. Would you be in favor of at least? You know, Garuba is a different conversation, but would you be in favor of at least keeping Josh Christopher with the with this fifteen man squad and keeping him up here rather than sending him down to Rio Grande Valley uh, to get actual NBA run? Because I, I think he's shown that he can do it. Like, I don't think he, you know, I thought he needed time at the G league. I think he's ready. Like, I, I don't think he's actually going to need time with the Vipers to be an effective rotation player. I agree with you, but I don't believe that they're going to put him in the rotation right now. And because of that, have him go down to the G league and get some minutes, get some action and, you know, sharpen up his game because and really it doesn't make sense. If they're not going to put him in the nine, 10 man rotation, he's never really going to learn and get better up here with the with the big boys so send him to the, to the vipers and improve on fine-tune tweak his game and fine-tune it and then december january bring him back and let him play in a rotation for the rest of the season yeah no reason for him to sit up here with uh the 15-man roster and get splinters in his butt when he could be actually getting you know 30 minutes a night with the vipers and building chemistry hopefully with uh potential you know with other teammates like an Usman Garuba potentially uh, that kind of situation. So hopefully we can see how that how that plays out and what direction the Rockets decide to go with that. But we've got to dive into, unfortunately, some of the guys who haven't impressed us through these three preseason games. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. If you haven't had a protein bar that you've actually enjoyed, you got to check out Built Bar, right? These bars are so delicious, so good. They're the Best, the number one protein bar on the market. They're not gritty. They're not chalky like other protein bars. And the flavors, right? Just going down this list, right? Coconut, mint chocolate brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, orange, strawberry, German chocolate. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. My personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. Cannot go wrong with a single flavor on their menu. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Every bar jam-packed with protein, right? They're great if you're on a keto diet. They're great if you're trying to lose weight. And you can check them out. Just visit built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your very next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. A reminder, if, if you could, it would be amazing if you could make Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. I'll tee you up for a second listen here on the Locked on Network a little bit later on. But as we continue our conversation with Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review. Now, Chris, it's not all sunshine and roses for the Houston Rockets. It definitely isn't. Not when you get thumped twice in two of your three preseason games. Um, and, you know, eking out a win in the first one. But... As far as players who have, I guess, played below expectations or who haven't impressed so far, um, give me your first name off the top of your head that you want to talk about. 
Mr. House, Daniel House, for sure. You're gonna, you, so you're sitting here, you're, you're really going to try and tank my podcast numbers like that, huh, Chris? I mean, you know, I've known House since he was at Hightower, <laughs> but still, reality is reality. He's right, he hasn't played well so far. And missing the, the third game doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you can go back through, we look at his box scores, you know, very first game, comes off the bench, just two of seven shooting, doesn't hit a single three, has a turnover, not a great performance there, then fin- then gets the starting nod in place of Eric Gordon against Miami Heat, goes 0 for 7 in that one with a couple turnovers, did have seven boards, had a couple of assists, you know, felt like he was, you know, doing the th- some of the things that he needed to do, but it really felt like, especially in that game, offensively, that starting lineup struggled uh, they just weren't clicking, and it's felt like Steven Silas has had a chance now across three games. Plug Eric Gordon in. Okay, see what that looks like. Okay, plug House in. Okay, see what that looks like. And at this point, I feel like the starting small forward spot of the Houston Rockets is like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts, where they're just going to keep cycling through different guys. So going into Friday's game against San Antonio, I'm fully expecting there to be a report coming out that Jay Sean Tate's not available to play, and they're just going to throw in David Nwaba or KJ Martin at the starting small forward spot, and they're just going to keep cycling through guys. Because at this point, I think Jay Sean Tate's been the most impressive of the three so far at, at the three spot. But you're right, House has struggled, and does that mean that he doesn't deserve a rotation spot? Do you think he's a part of this team moving forward is probably the best question to ask. For the entire season? Uh, from their mindset, yes. From my mindset, no. I'm just, you know, he's in the last year of his contract. If you can get something for him today, tomorrow, ASAP, just make it happen. You know, like I said, Jackson, <laughs> I'm all in, in for the youngsters playing, man. I mean, this is a new era. House is part of the old era. Him and Eric Gordon as well. Just let the youngsters and new guys give them a chance to sink or swim. See, and, you know, Chris, I feel like that's such an interesting, you know, angle, though, is because when you talk about, you know, the young guys, right? I mean, Christian Wood just turned 26. You know, Jay Sean Tate, 25. I mean, you know, House isn't that much older than them at 28 years old. So it's not like he's, you know, sitting on the wrong side of 30 and he's, you know, a grizzled veteran. He could still potentially be a part of this team and a part of this organization moving forward because he's, again, not that far removed from where the rest of the, you know, the the youth movement is with these Rockets. But it feels like, you know, a subsection of fans and, and even certain media, I guess, are ready for him to just move on from the team. I think the Rockets are trying to give him every opportunity to take advantage of that small forward starting spot. It's up to him to produce. And if he's not producing, why play him? That, that's really my take on it. Coach Silas is going to give him chances to start at that three spot because he does, when he's playing well, he provides something space-wise and he's a better rebounder than some of the other Rockets. He does things that other guys don't do, but he needs to do them and needs to do them consistently. That's what they need. I feel like consistency is almost the name of the game with Daniel House Jr. Where he's just he shows he shows flashes. There's moments, there, you know, there's games where he looks like he could be one of the best players on the court. Where he can't miss from behind the arc, he's able to you know dribble, drive, get to the hoop almost at will. His ability to finish in transition and run those lanes alongside whoever his point guard is, be it a James Harden type, be it a Russell Westbrook, a Chris Paul, be it a Kevin Porter Jr. Right, he knows his role at times. And then there's other times where it looks like he's doing a little bit too much, you know, trying to do too much out there, you know, unsure of himself, loses the confidence, what have you. And it's those highs and lows in his game that make it really hard to want to say, yeah, he should be a consistent player for this team moving forward. He should be a consistent part of this team moving forward because if he can't play consistently, then, 
you know, what's the reason in playing him when you have a guy waiting in the wings like Jay Sean Tate, who has shown an ability to be a really kind of consistent stabilizing force throughout all of last season. Agreed. And, and if, if House cannot produce consistently, then you need to give that spot to Jay Sean Tate and David Nawaba. You know, that's, I'm really kind of curious to see how much, how many games Coach Silas is going to give House a chance to produce consistently. If it's 10, 5, 20, you know, how, how many games is he going to give him? And if he doesn't do it, okay, man, you know, thank you for your time here. We got to move in another direction. You know, we, we we started the first preseason game with Gordon, then then House, now Tate. And I know I made the joke about the, you know, revolving door of starting small forwards. Uh, Steven Silas did comment the fact that, you know, Eric Gordon's ankle injury is, is you know, very, it's not serious whatsoever. He said if it was, I believe, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I believe he did say if it was like a regular season game, Eric would probably be playing. Uh, do you think they're still going to trot out Eric Gordon in that starting three spot on opening night? Or do you think they're going to, depending on how this next preseason game goes, assuming Jay Sean Tate starts again in the three spot, if it looks, if it goes better than these past two games have gone, do you think maybe there's a chance that he opts for Jay Sean Tate as the starter? Or maybe he just comes out of left field and says, nope, it, it's going back to house. I, I think Coach Silas is going to give Eric Gordon that small forward starting spot. I don't agree with that because I prefer getting Eric's production coming off the bench. I think it helps balance out the team. But from the little bits of, of seeing Eric at the end of practices, you know, I've heard Coach Silas say the same thing you mentioned. If it were a regular season game, he'd play. He doesn't look ready for me, to, Jackson. He does not look ready to me. So I'm not sure if it'll be dressed this week for the ankle or heel and it'll be ready for Minnesota on, you know, next week. We'll see. But I don't see it. So right now, I don't, I don't see it. All right, so hope well. Hopefully, we get more of the Jay Shantae experiment because I think that's the direction the starting lineup should go, and I think he provides a different mentality towards that starting lineup and a different skill set that is 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 needed, frankly, to kind of open things up for that starting lineup. The shooting is a bit of a question mark. Um, didn't attempt a single three against the Toronto Raptors, which is less than ideal. Maybe he would have been the missing link and could have actually sunk a three pointer instead of the rest of the Rockets going over ten in the first half. Um, but let's let's change gears again let's because there's one other guy that i feel like we got to talk about before we wrap up this podcast christian wood has been a little underwhelming through three preseason games agree or disagree agree without a doubt i think so and i i'm not talking about his offensive game one big question i have with him or issue i have with him his defense transition defense not getting back getting beat by whoever big man for the other team Beasting down the floor, that's a problem. His free throw shooting is beginning to concern me. He's not bothered with it. I asked him about it after practice. He said, we'll see you come regular season. Okay, Christian, you're not shooting well from the line right now. So I'm not sure if you're going to flip on that switch come regular season and become an 80% free throw shooter. But I think it's a concern right now. And, and he, the form looks good. I just think he's psyching himself out at the line. And it's, it's a problem now. And in addition to, I think from the from the lackluster production, and you know maybe there's a little bit of you know it's preseason, you know he doesn't want to go all out, you know there is a tendency for some players to go you know 80 percent in preseason, understandably so, but you know he maybe he's at this point where he's got a little bit of comfortability in in his career now, a little bit of stability, he's not having to fight and claw for a roster spot like he has to this point. So maybe he feels a little bit safer, you know, not ready to go completely all out. But that said, I just haven't been impressed. Like there's just, 
there's not that same level of like, just, I don't want to say dominance because I don't want to necessarily call Christian Wood a dominant player, but there were stretches last year where it felt like he could, he was just a walking bucket. Like you could give him the ball and he was going to go and get you, you know, 20 points a night easy. And it's really felt like he's had to work extra hard for all the buckets that he's gotten through preseason so far. And I don't know if that's just because he's not as explosive as he was last season. He did say that he's added, you know, a little, what, like about 10 pounds of muscle this off season. So maybe he's not as bursty as he is with that first step. Maybe he's just, you know, not getting to the spots that he needs to get to. There's, there's a lot of like driving and isolating from the three point line so far. I've seen, I've seen, and I'm not exactly the biggest fan of that. I'd like to see him get more in some, you know, two man game with Kevin Porter Jr. Jalen green, have him rolling hard to the rim and getting some passes from those guys. And we haven't seen a whole lot of that taking place so far in, preseason unfortunately and the irony is everything you said he said that he likes this year's offense he said last year he was more of a rim runner and this year is more five out and he prefers this offense compared to last season then where's the production the effort and i'm okay with him no no i'm not let me correct myself i'm not okay with him being comfortable he got the fat contract he says and he said a few times the postseason in post in press conferences, he wants to have that dog mentality. Well, you're not established yet. You're not a star. You're not, you're not one of those guys who can just cruise through and, and produce, especially on this team. The Rockets need you to be a you know productive game in, game out. We talked about house, a lack of consistency. Chris Wood has more skills in house, but Christian Wood needs to be consistent game in, game out in order for the Rockets to be successful. He's got to deliver every game. And I think he is struggling a bit to mesh with Scoot and Jalen Green. And that's going to be an issue throughout the season. And obviously those guys are going to have plenty of time, plenty of reps to get to know each other, to get more comfortable with each other. And I I, I am cautiously optimistic that they'll be able to get it figured out because at the end of the day, talent, you know, will, will trump all right. It's going to trump the fit, all of this. And, and I do think these guys are all talented enough and there's not like, it's not like a question of fit, like a, one of them can't shoot or something. They're all extremely talented. They can all shoot. They can all score. They can all pass, you know, they're, they're extremely versatile players, all three of them. So I'm not necessarily worried about them getting it to fit. It's, it's maybe worrying about, okay, if Christian Wood suddenly doesn't want to be a rim running big, you're eliminating a big part of what makes your game so effective, especially in tandem with the likes of players like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. So if all he wants to do is isolate from the three-point line or catch the ball on the low block and you know face up his man, which he hasn't even done a whole lot of that in preseason, unfortunately, then you know wh- what part of the team aspect are you playing, at least offensively? And the other part is, you know, he's kind of making this transition and we saw it a little bit last season next to Kelly Olenek of being a four instead of a five. And I wonder if defensively he does, if he's going to have the chops to play the four defensively in this league against some smaller, faster wing type players, as opposed to, because it's not every, every team that's going to trot out an actual two big lineup like the Rockets. And so Christian Wood effectively is going to have to guard some wing players from time to time in this league. Agreed. But he has said, he said to us, he wants to be able to guard one through five. Well, Christian, if it's, you say it's, it, it's it's different than it's different from wanting to, to. Yeah, he wants to, to do it. Though. Well, then, if, if you want to do it, show us that you can do it. Because if you can't do it, then stick with the fours and the fives. But he said a few times now that he wants to be a guy who can defend the point guard, two guards. Okay. Well, you're saying it. You got to back up that talk because that is going to be a benefit that if he can do it 
But I'm like I said earlier, I'm not convinced he and Tice are on the same page yet defensively. Tice is big on communication. He's big on trust. And the trust part comes with being a teammate and a while. These guys have not known each other for a while, long enough to have a, a trust and a strong trust factor knowing that if I get beat on the perimeter, I know my teammates got my back wherever you know he's supposed to be. That's still lacking for almost everybody. Well, hopefully that's going to be something that we see develop through the early part of the season and, and hopefully develop a little quickly because some of the defensive, you know, lapses here and there are going to be tough to see if we're watching end-to-end blowouts on a nightly basis for this Rockets team. But again, I will I will remain cautiously optimistic. There's a lot of talent on this team. I think you and I can both agree on that. And uh, they've got nowhere to go but up. And hopefully Steven Silas is up to the task to mold this group of young minds and bodies into uh, something more than what they collectively are right now. But Chris, always a pleasure to be able to talk hoops with you. Why don't you let our listeners know where to track you down at and what you've got going on for us? Appreciate it, man. I'm glad to uh, finally us get together on the Locked on Rockets podcast. Uh, Twitter, VHR Review, website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, and Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. Awesome, Chris. As always, thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Take care. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing to our brand new Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Make Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. And then, hey, you know what? Go make Locked on Fantasy Basketball your second listen of the day. Josh Lloyd is the fantasy expert, the number one fantasy basketball expert in the world. Go listen to him. If you're a big fan of fantasy, you're going to enjoy that show. Go check it out. As always, though, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.